Welcome back, my dear sweet friends, to another episode of Dunkle Vision. I am so excited for our guest today. This guy's been working forever. He's done a ton of stuff. Stage, independent film, blockbuster film, television. You've seen him in The Postman with Kevin Costner. You've seen him in Creed. You've seen him in Silver Linings Playbook and a little TV show called The Wire. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Brian Anthony Wilson. Now, you're in Philly? Uh, no, uh, Cherry Hill. Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Ah. Um, but I was born and raised in Philly. Fantastic. Doing a play in Philly now. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Called the Royale. Yeah. That's commitment, man. You 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 uh you pay to go do a play, basically, right? I mean, pay uh, the toll on the bridge. You oh. pay the toll every time. <laughs> yeah. Pay to play. Pay to play. You're always paying something. You know that, brother. In this business. It's so good to it's, see you, Brian. Great seeing you, Chris, and it's an honor to meet you, Mr. Dunkleman. It's wonderful to meet the you. Dunk, the Dunkmeister General. Oh, I love it. I have heard them all. Dunkmeister General, I love it. I had a friend who used to call me Dunkhauser General. I like Dunkmeister General. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to Dunkelvision. We're, we're thrilled Thank to you, have brother. you. It's great to meet you in person. And uh, We were uh, co-stars in the, brilliant, in the brilliant movie, Jesus v. Satan. Yes. Rise of the Zombies. Our very, very talented podcast uh, producer, Chris, is, uh, that was our first our first venture working together, and here we are yes. on our third yeah. one. We, we got to have some real scenes together. I know, man. That would Chris be great if I could leave. Now that Chris we can actually leave one. our homes. Yeah, right? <laughs> Pastor Bud, we were trying to remember what your character's name was. <laughs> Pastor Bud, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Like, I wrote the damn thing. I can't remember his name. What? I know, when? man. We shot that when? Was that 20... 2020, 2020. It was about wow. a little over two years ago. It was wow. so everything was still kind of on lockdown, sort of. Yeah, uh, I know that particular. Uh, it was a theater in Maryland by my house um, that we did all your scenes at, Brian. And it, like, there could only be a certain amount of people in the building at a time. We had that's to have right. That's right. Now I remember that right? Uh, right. Yeah. So it was wild. And it's funny for dunk scenes. I directed it all from here. Oh, from my from my desk. Wow. He was in L.A. Oh, that's right. Uh, okay. He, he and Saf, um, the other guy, he was in the, the scenes with. Yeah. So it just was, what a wild project! What a wild time that was. <laughs> I got to rewatch uh, that. <laughs> oh, it's so good. That w- that was such an amazing experience because I got to be directed through my laptop, and then mm-hmm. I had a ton of dialogue as a newscaster. I and know. I memorized, I memorized it, and then Whoa. he's like, "Oh, I got a scrolling. Uh, you can use a like, teleprompter on your laptop." It's like, "Oh, thank <laughs> God! All that Damn work man. I did, but that just locks the lines in. Yep. So then you can really be more free." Then you can really be free with it. That's that's true. Very true. Yeah. So we're so psyched to be talking to you. We ask everybody the same question right out of the bat. We want to know what is your origin story? What is it that made you think I want to do this with my life? I want to lead a life of creativity in, in the wow. arts. Well, I'll tell you, um, I started out, I mean, I still sing, uh, but I started out singing uh, with an R&B band called Perfect Blend. And so, I love it. We're going to talk extensively yeah. about this because I'm totally oh. into music right now. How old were you when you were in this band when for when you first started? Oh, God, uh, like early 20s, because I didn't cool. take my first. What happened was I wanted to improve my voice. I was a co-lead singer, but um, and I do like I'm baritone, some tenor stuff and yeah. do some like falsetto stuff like stylistics and, uh, you know, Earth, Wind and Fire, stuff like that. So nice. I went down to Freedom Theater, which was one of the prominent black theaters in Philadelphia. 
to take vocal lessons. And as a vocal major, you still had to take an acting course and a movement course, uh, class rather. So that culminated in a uh, showcase at the end of six weeks. And I was like, I like this acting thing. So the next semester I went back as an acting major and um, I was in class for two weeks and I got thrown into a play, not because I was brilliant or anything, but they, they, they fired two people. They needed a warm body and it was literally on the job training. I was in a play before I even saw a play. So it was bizarre, which is kind of like my first film, The Postman with Kevin Costner. I had no film or TV experience, and that was on the job training as well. And then all of a sudden, you're in, a, in an epic movie with Kevin Costner. Yeah, well, it ended up being a bomb. It was like a $80 million budget back in 97, which is yeah. which correlates to, I don't know, probably $150 million, you know, in today's dollars. But Wasn't it like a four-hour um, movie if they were to cut it in not, half? Well, no, it was a, it was like, it was a little less than three. It was, it was okay. long, you know, and had it come out, Post 9-11, I think it would have done a lot better just because it was it was very patriotic because he's, yeah. he's Costner is what you see is what you get. He's like a man's man. Sure. Very patriotic, does a lot of his own stunts. And um, it just was and the post office would not get on board with it. If, if they had endorsed it, it probably would have done a lot better because it was it was it was a love letter to the post office, quite honestly. Well, what's their problem? Well, I guess they thought it was going to be something like some postman goes crazy or whatever, and they didn't want to be involved with it. But <laughs> was it called postal? Yeah, it was like he was a, he was reestablishing the world again because it was post apocalyptic. And the funny thing is, this post post apocalyptic movie took place in 2013, and we were like well past that now. Literally 2022. So. You know, so it's, it's like, feeling wow. a little post-apocalyptic. Well, times, though. <laughs> you're right. It, it, it scarily does. It really yeah. does. Because we, we are, we may be on the verge of civil war, man. So we're on the yeah. verge of so many things. It's hard to pick one. So I just you're say, right. just have a good time and keep creating and in in dancing and singing, man. I want to talk more about this singing. When when did you really start singing? When did you know that you had a good voice? Was it young? Yeah, I mean, my mother tells me stories about me going up on stage in, in uh, kindergarten and singing, because my father, my uh, late father, he, uh, Timothy Wilson, uh, had a gorgeous tenor voice. He sang with uh, Clayton White singers, and they, they made albums, a couple albums, and he sang with Opera Ebony. Uh, so that's where I get it from, honestly. Nice. And uh, I was imitating my father when I was, you know, a wee lad. Yeah. But then I, you know, I, I do have a decent voice, thank God, you know, from from him, and um, yeah, that's how it started, you know, when I was a wee a wee youngster. And did you start? Did you play in bands when you were a teenager, like no, garage no, bands not, or no. nothing like that? What happened was uh, I sang at a wedding, and this guy who actually uh, ended up working with at Procter and Gamble, I used to work uh, like a corporate gig before I went acting full time. And he was like, hey man, you got a decent voice. You want to try out for our band? And I did, and they, you know, they put me in the band. And that was uh, probably, I was about 22, I think, around there. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah I really, I'm curious, we're gonna get onto everything else, but I, I'm, I'm really into this because I started singing during the pandemic when I couldn't do stand up. Oh, so I had no outlet, and I loved right. private room karaoke because nobody cares. You can just be with your friends or sometimes with a big group, and they have places wow. out here. And I was like, I really miss that. And then I, I thought, well, my living room is that. a private room. Yeah, why don't I just do it here? And cut to I, I, Chris, I think I've posted over 150. 
Whoa. Maybe, it's about 160 songs by, and nice. I, the challenge of it, I try to replicate their voices because I can do impressions and, right. and uh, I'm trying to improve. And I think over the course of the last year and a half, I've kind of taught myself how to sing better, but I'm curious as, as your vocal lessons. Do you highly recommend that? Like I've never taken any kind of training, but I really would like to because I want to. I want to form a band, maybe multiple bands. I don't know how to wow. go about doing it, but I'm just going to keep talking about it until I will it to happen. That, that's it. No, I I think vocal lessons are very important. I mean, I'm yeah. I'm sorry that I didn't continue with it, but what happened was uh, there was one time where I missed a rehearsal at Freedom Theater and I lost a role. I missed a rehearsal because of a band rehearsal, and that. Uh. I just that that told me right then it was that's when I knew acting was more important to me because sure. I was like I will never do that again because yeah. I was I was really sad that I lost this role and they were like if you can't be here then you we're giving this to somebody else I was like no it was too late and I was like okay that will never happen again and acting became my focus after that I mean even though I still sang with the band but then you know how bands are yeah there's a lot of personalities a lot of egos and I yeah. I thought I had one of the smaller egos in the group but we we ended up parting ways and they you know they they got a i think they replaced me with a girl singer and they mm. they kept moving on i mean but but that we're cool now I, yeah i ended up singing with them a couple of years ago it was like a reunion kind of thing but i That's mean cool. still have all, much love for all of them yeah it's interesting the, i've sang i've sang at a couple weddings just kind of sitting in yeah. I always sing the doors, and uh, I I, oh. I just love it, man. I just and Morrison had that beautiful man. What a beautiful, oh. one of my favorite all time voices. Yeah. Was he, was he part of the Twenty Seven Club too? Did he die at Twenty Seven? Yes, he did. Yeah. yeah, okay. Oh, so many greats. Yeah, Janice and Jimmy and Bon Scott Jimmy. and uh, who else? There's some. Uh, oh Nirvana. God, the Winehouse. Didn't she? Amy die Winehouse. Yeah, Winehouse. Yeah, that's so weird that they died at Twenty Seven. Wow. It's just amazing that they had accomplished anything by 27. Because right. my, my accomplishments were very limited. But what an unbelievable body of work. They're just kids. Somehow, that maybe that's part of the universe. It's like, all right, we'll give you all this, all of this talent and stuff. But you're only going to get to use it for 27 years. Yeah, it's that's it. Weird. You know what? When somebody's extremely talented, usually there's something's wrong with them. God doesn't give you every. Can't, he can't have everything because no. if you're insanely talented and you know you're kind of a jerk in other areas of your life or just deficient, it doesn't it seem like that? Yes, it does. It really 27 does. Twenty seven years old, man. Now, what did you do? What were some of the jobs that you had before you began your acting career? Before you started actually making dough? So I was in in uh, university. I was at Millersville University. I was a, a, a art biology major. And then I started working part time at, at Richardson Vicks, the people that make NyQuil, Oil of Olay, DayQuil, okay. all of that stuff. That was in up in Hatboro, Pennsylvania. My father worked there for forty three years. So that that's when it was real NyQuil. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, you could get <laughs> well, you can still get pretty high off of it. I mean, yeah, you I wouldn't, can, but I wouldn't recommend the <laughs> drinking it and driving, but No, um, that that used no. to don't don't make any plans after no, you took that old school. It would knock you on your butt. Yeah, but, but yeah, so uh, my father got me there. I was working there during the summers uh, when I wasn't in school. But then I started making money, and uh, I was like, I, I like this. I'm not going back to school. So, and I didn't know I wanted to be an actor at that time. Had I known, maybe I would have stayed in school. But so yeah. I, I was. I started working there and in the factory, just just a factory worker. And I worked there for 15 years while I was acting part time. And I ended up 
I went from the factory to uh, human resource uh, to the mailroom, then human resources, and finally I was a merchandise accountant when I left. So I kind of worked my way up, and uh, when they and then Procter and Gamble bought the plant out, and they decided to close it. I mean, after a few years, and so they uh, they gave me an offer to go to corporate to be an accountant in Cincinnati which I didn't want to do. I said, yeah. I'm going to try this acting thing. I got a, a severance package, you know, so I could live for about a year. And, um, and then I, I, that was May of 1996. And I've, I haven't had a, uh, you know, day job since then. I've been subsisting off of acting work, you know, me acting work and unemployment, you know. It's, oh it's, yeah, it's, I know. It's about, about the same time frame for me. That's yeah. when oh, I started really? doing, yeah, I started doing okay. sitcom work. I moved out here in 96 and then started oh, getting sitcom work a couple exactly. years later. And that's back when there were a ton of sitcoms. Yeah, you right. Know, there were 30, 40 on the air. And that's been, that's wow. when they used to, re, they had reruns. Remember reruns? Oh, Those reruns. don't happen anymore until they make syndication, but they used to just air again. And what people don't realize, you get paid the same exact amount when it gets re-aired. Oh my God. There are people living off of, yeah. I mean, great actors living off of residuals. I know. Oh. They, so they, I'm just curious. Do you get a lot of film? Like, do you get checks from the from the postman? I still do get a few. I mean, I forgot I got one. I mean, it was one of those royalty checks that are like for forty bucks. But oh, I get them for one cent. Yeah. Oh, oh, definitely. No, you get them for a penny. I'm talking like, about it added up to forty, but it was like I don't know thirty <laughs> different projects on there. Yeah, I, right, right. I get ones from for the from the wire that are from one pe- oh, I, I've, I've gotten ones that say 0.0 it's like why did you even bother sending it's like a negative so it's <laughs> right. like what is the purpose of that why you waste owe us money yeah so i don't even know how they come up with a negative but i've gotten those too why do they send something that's less than a stamp do like exactly we well this now i get a direct deposit you, uh, have you done that I haven't done that yet. I oh, feel like yeah. the excitement. You know what I used to do? Before you could see them online, I, you'd get them, and you have no idea what it is. So I would open one end, and right. then I would, like, like when you're fanning poker, when you're playing poker and just squeezing, <laughs> yeah. I would squeeze my residual check going, one more number, baby. Oh, it's only, only 90 cents. Yeah, right. You're shorting your cat at, you, uh, for a moment oh. there. That's a 1000 bucks. Damn right, man. <laughs> Damn right. Yeah, I think the biggest one I ever got was like, Four four grand something for um, Snake Eyes, a movie that I did with Brian De Palma, and I just had a tiny part, a little scene with Gary Sinise. I mean, he was lovely, awesome, and uh, yeah, and it was I'm, I'm in it for like a minute, a minute, minute ten seconds or whatever. But it was like, huh? That's enough to cash those checks. I know what happened. We started one day. I was there for twelve hours, didn't shoot anything, so they had to bring me back. So it was like a drop pickup or whatever. Yeah. So it ended up, you know, being I got paid more money for the residual than I did for the actual job. Right. It was weird. But that was the only time I got ever got something that big. They're usually only for a hundred bucks or whatever. Oh man, people are in these Marvel Marvel movies. It just must they must be skipping to the mailbox every day. I can't imagine. It, there's oh. a couple actors I know that worked on uh The Sixth Sense and that was, you know, at the time one of the highest grossing movies yeah. ever. So I, I can't even imagine the numbers that they got. I mean, I know it was I'm I'm sure they got like something for 10 grand or something like the first residual check or, or more because well, that's I, what one we need guy, to do yeah. we need to imagine them so that we can feel what it's like to open those checks and then guess uh, what we'll be opening those checks yeah, that's the way well, life works I, not for me i'm old <laughs> <laughs> that time is no, past for me chris knows i'm manifesting my own reality that's just the way it's going down now now let me ask you this what was your first acting gig your very first acting gig Oh, wow. My 
Do you remember? I mean, well, the first one was, I mean, the play I was in, it was called uh, On Flower Street. Uh, right. It was an original play written by this brilliant uh, writer, director, uh, actress called Millicent Sparks. And I played a, this character called Sleepy Daily. And I was in it uh, with a, a man who's a mentor of mine now, Johnny Hobbs Jr., who's a brilliant actor. And uh, I just learned so much. Like I said, I had no, well, I was in class for two weeks, so I really had no training. But I learned so much by watching him and learning from him and just being a fly on the wall. But that's right. That was my first stuff. So I was 23. Yeah, you absorb a lot from just being around talented people. Like you learn a lot just on a set. If you allow yourself. Exactly. If you're paying attention. Yeah. Now, you, you, you've already mentioned The Postman. How did you get involved with The Postman in 19, 1997? Oh, no, 19, yeah, 97. Yep. So what happened was, this is how long ago it was, uh, Mike Lemon, who has unfortunately passed away now, Mike Lemon Casting, who knew me, he did me a favor because my character only has six lines. So I I went down there, he, he put the things on tape for me, but it, this was a VHS tape. So I had uh -huh. to put these two quick scenes because my character, he's in... I mean, I shot it for five and a half weeks, but I only had like six lines. It was like the, one of those stoic kind of characters. But uh, so I had to put that on VHS tape, FedEx it out to California. And um, my agent got a call and saying, hey, they like you, but they want to fly you out to meet Costner. If he likes you, be prepared to stay for 10 days for rehearsal. If not, you'll be on the next flight back to Philadelphia. So I was like, <laughs> okay. So I read the script on the way out to California. I had to fly to um, their own location in Tucson. Uh, and so I get there and Costner's out scouting locations. This guy, he, he was starring in it, producing it, uh, wrote it. Uh, he, he was casting extras. Yeah. He was doing too much, but he was scouting he was locations. crafty. He was doing it all. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so I get there and the room I had to wait for Costner in, right before I went in the room, there was a number on it. It said 222 which is my birthday, February 22nd. Wow. So I no was kidding. like, oh, well, that's a good omen. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so I get there. I sit in a room with this Oscar-winning director icon, Kevin Costner, for like 13, 14 minutes talking about the, the script and my lack of film and TV theory. You know, I was actually in rehearsals for a play at that point. But, I mean, I had an acting experience, but nothing in film and TV. So, mm. And right there, he offered me the part of Woody, and the postman right in front of, uh, you know, sitting right across from him. So that was amazing. I was like, am I dreaming? And it was just bizarre. And uh, and what and another smart thing he did, too, was he invited me to come see dailies because what they did was they shot some footage of me in different costumes to see my complexion or whatever. And sure. And then he, they had me go through a gamut of emotions. And then I could and then they showed it to me and, and I could see that it was like, oh, that was too big. Yeah, uh, you know, because I was theater trained, and you're you're trying to reach the back of the house. Totally different. It, it was like a self lesson. Like I got to bring it in. I got to bring those emotions in. And Absolutely, what a gift for him to yeah. do that for you. He was smart. I mean, it was like I don't have time to teach you, knucklehead. Watch <laughs> this and learn it this way. But I mean, he's a very smart man, and he was very generous with screen time. Man, that's that's really cool. I yes, it. it was. And I think he knew that I was kind of instinctual and which I, I'm very instinctual with my acting and this this because uh, yeah. I have some training, not a whole lot. I need more. But um but yeah, he was he was very generous with screen time and 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 just gave me this, you know, this gift of uh yeah. you know, this film. You know, that could if if it 
I mean, it launched the career of Olivia Williams, who went on to play. Uh, he was she was his love interest. I mean, she's she has a resume longer than my arm now. Mm. But after that, she was in The Sixth Sense. She played Bruce Willis's wife in The Sixth Sense. Yeah. And it's going on to play. I think she's in The Crown now. But she's a brilliant oh, actress. Great. She was very, very lovely young lady. Um, yeah, because we were there for like 10. After that, we had to stay for 10 days of rehearsal. And, you know, and uh, it was just I was a fly on the wall, just, you know, hanging out and. That's an, what an amazing stuff. experience. What an amazing intro to the business. So, was that your SAG card? No, I had to. Uh, I was a they Taft Hartley me because Taft I was Hartley. non-union. So yeah. uh, when I got uh, Snake Eyes, I was a must join. So I joined. Oh, so that was that. your second gig with Snake Eyes? Uh, yeah. Well, I had a, I had a, did a couple of like indie films non-union after that, but yeah after snake eyes i was a must join or to do snake eyes i had to pay yeah so but you made the decision because a lot of people would have just moved moved to la what 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 went into your decision making why did you decide to stay east coast did you think about making the move after that first film after the postman i did because i had uh i had a couple offers to get some representation out there but i um family you know family is why i didn't I really didn't feel like I deserved it at that point. I did. I had done one movie, you mm. know. So I mean, I felt like I needed to build up my resume, and yeah. which I did. You know, I have over two hundred credits on IMDb now. But it's crazy. Um, but I mean, mostly indie films, only a handful of uh, big, you know, motion pictures. But mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I felt like I didn't deserve it. And I needed to work on my craft, which I did, and uh, then then the time passed and. You know, I had a kid, and you know, my, that's the love of my life. She's fourteen. Yeah, and then the, the time passed, and I did you know, that window closed. You know, I'm, I'm an older guy now, so anybody looking for me in California? But, but I mean, I had to. I've had. To, I've had to go out there for for jobs and stuff. So it's, it's sure. cool. But um, yeah, I did think about that, but again, I, I didn't. I wasn't seasoned enough, and I didn't know what I was really doing. So I was like, yeah. let me work on this thing, and I can do that on the East Coast, and that's where my family is, and. So that's what I did. Yeah, I mean, look, it, it's a big, it's a big move. You, you say you didn't deserve it. I've done nothing. No, no, <laughs> my twenty fifth birthday. You, I'm like, you've why done am, a am lot, I brother? Here? And you well, had the kahunas to go out there and do it. So yeah, well, that's what they you. say: young and stupid, right? You know, well, <laughs> that's why I'm glad I did it. Though I, yeah. I dropped out of co I, I, I took a semester off of college, ah. and I, I still, I just never went back. Yeah, so you got to be careful Same when you make thing. that. I'm just gonna take a little break. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, one day I'll I'll be like I just read a story about this guy is 101 that just graduated from high school. I mean, I did graduate from high school, but maybe I'll go back to school. When my my wife is a professor, so maybe I'll get oh, a degree cool. at her. Yeah, yeah. If I, somebody has to have a real job in the family. If we were depending <laughs> on my my income, well, we'd be sleeping outside. Oh man, me. I don't yeah. know. I wonder how many credits I have. No idea. I'm married to a physical therapist, so I understand being married to someone with a real job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're smart guys, Chris. Yeah, yeah. I was just telling Chris how much time I've spent just putting together promo videos and posting. It's just like a whole nother. Like I got yeah. into this because I didn't want a job. Right, and I no. got an hour. Like now you have you have to. It's work, man. I mean, I tell it people is this is twenty four seven. I I had to put something on tape like Sunday night at eleven thirties. You know, it's it's it's. It's always you got to check your email constantly. Yeah. You got to submit for stuff every day, even when you have an agent. It doesn't make a difference. I know it. Now, do you uh, have you been going? You know, I know the pandemic. Everybody started auditioning from home. How did you feel yeah. about that? Which do you prefer? And are you going into offices and casting places any, any more out there yet? 
It's so funny, Brian, because before the pandemic, I think I was 0 for 2018 and 2019 in New York auditions going in person. I got Damn. zero auditions out of, I don't know. I mean, zero bookings out of like sure. 13, 15 auditions in New York. I mean, I was booking stuff in Philly, theater stuff and indie films. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes people just ask me to do stuff. But yeah, so it's I had a head start because the only thing I, I booked, uh, God, like three TV shows and, and a couple of big, yeah, like Siren was one of my biggest, it was a guest, it was a recurring guest star uh, uh, for a Disney thing uh, mm. on uh, ABC Family Channel. And I booked that from a self-tape and I booked uh, a couple of like Ocean's 8 self-tape, uh, Gotham self-tape. So I was booking mm. these through, this was before the pandemic. So I was already ahead of the game with self-tapes because I wasn't getting booked in person, but I booked a bunch of stuff on self via self-tape. So I was lucky. So that, that, that part was, that was great for me. And, and, it, and to book something from your, your living room, instead of having to spend oh. five hours going back and forth to New York, paying for gas, paying for tolls, paying for parking. Oh, yeah, it all adds up. And you don't even have to put on pants. No, yeah, exactly. And not a lot, some auditions asked that, that I didn't have pants on. <laughs> and then I really didn't get the part. <laughs> no, no. Can you put the camera closer? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Who did you play in Gotham? I didn't know you were in a comic book show. Who, who uh, yeah, yeah, I played a harbor master that gets his head cut off. Uh, it's a really oh, cool. Oh shit! That's awesome. Yeah, you, yeah. It's it's a pretty it's a pretty cool scene. I I have a copy of it somewhere. I'll send it to you. Tell yeah, me how that. Yeah. Tell me how that worked. Was it? How, was there special effects? Was there something where yeah. you actually got hit in the head? Like what was that? About? No, what they did was they did a. They had a. It was a weird little device where they did a three sixty of my head, and then uh, with a camera. But they did. Oh, that's but, cool. But they didn't do a mold or anything like that. Like, okay. like in uh, I have a picture from the Postman where they did. Uh, it's a picture of me. Well, it's a head that they, they did a mold of my head, and I'm, I have a picture of me sitting right next to it. It's, it's bizarre. But uh, they didn't cool. do anything like that. It was just uh, through electronics, through a, uh, like a three sixty uh, camera thing. Because I've never seen the thing where I get my head cut off, but I do get my head cut off. Yeah, you said you make comments just indie films. Like I've been in one film period really? in my whole career, and I Get loved it. I, one, it was an really? indie film, and I got to. Uh, it was a psycho killer, and I was a comedian doing a hell gig. It was called Comedy Hell, and I got to jump on oh. his back and jam my microphone into his eye socket. <laughs> so they I had the it. prosthetic with the, the thing, yeah. and then he flipped me around, and I'm like, God, just don't worry, just really oh throw me. And I'm like, yeah. Oh my God, you you could have broken Rick Overton. Do you know who Rick Overton is? I've heard that name. Groundhog yeah. Day. Brilliant comedian, oh, brilliant yes, actor. Yes, yes. Rick is amazing. Well, he, he passed away, didn't he? No, no, he's still. Oh, who am I thinking of? Somebody else from Groundhog Day. Oh, Rick Duke. Duke no, what was his last name? Rick Dukeman is another guy from the past. He's a comic, Rick Dukeman. Yes. Rick Dukeman was a comedian, and I got off stage at the Improv one night, and and somebody came up to me and said, uh, "This is for you." I opened up; it was a summons. For Rick Dukeman, and I'm like, oh, you don't no. even know. You're shitty at your job, at Dunkelman, yeah. Dukeman, Dukeman, right? <laughs> and then I'm like, hey, Rick, this is. I think this is for you. Oh, wow, wow. goddamn! Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> that was too. You funny. were a summon server. <laughs> <It's> nice. <laughs> I got to serve. You know what? That'd be a kind of a fun job. I'd feel awful. I don't though. know, man. I got I served right before I went on stage in Anchorage, Alaska. 
What? Somebody came up to me and I'm I'm ready to get on. I'm ready to I'm getting psyched up. Some woman looks. You're from you're from Western New York. I said yeah. She's like I'm from Rochester. I'm like well what are you doing here? And she's like I'm actually to give you this. And I thought you couldn't wait till I got off stage. Yeah, messing with you your head. You couldn't let me do it. Oh, <laughs> if I wasn't like I was younger and more professional, I would have read it. Now wow. I would have gone up and made my whole set about. I would have gone line for line. Damn right. <laughs> <laughs> told them oh why I was God. getting sued. <laughs> oh, that's scary, man. That's how they do it now, man. That's how that's how uh, you see Comic Con. I, I think Olivia Olivia yes. Wilde got served. Olivia Wilde yes, got served at Comic Con. Yes, on that was, stage. So that's, that was that's awful. the thing to do now. Apparently, yeah. From yeah. um, from uh, oh God, Sudeikis. Uh, yeah, Sudeikis. Yeah, yeah, Jason Sudeikis. I love him, man. I do too. Yeah. It's Ted Lasso, man. But he he said he didn't realize they were going to serve her there. But that was a little. That was a little rough. That was really rough. Somebody you serve it, you share a kid with, but you know. Yeah, it's Hollywood. like it's a difficult enough experience. We don't need it on you know all the social yeah. media, the video. Good lord, no, you no. have worked with some unbelievably talented people. Uh, you know, but before we get into that, I want to talk. Yes. What was? Do you remember your first TV gig? Yes, uh, it was Homicide, which is kind of how I got on the wire because awesome. I did Homicide. I did the second to last episode of Homicide: Life on the Streets. It was a great group scene. I played a deaner, which is a, an assistant to the medical examiner, who was Austin Pendleton, who I actually studied with. Uh, he's, he's a great teacher, too. A wonderful actor, too. But, uh, yeah, it was a scene where I was accused of stealing a, a watch off of a dead guy. And it was a scene with Austin Pendleton, and, and Belzer was in it. You know Belzer, yeah. Yeah, the belts. Uh, the bells, yeah. And uh, a couple other people. But that was Pat Moran Casting, who also casted, ca- cast for uh the wire i mean locally anyway but uh alexa fogel is the big cheese but i never read for her but anyway because of it that was my first tv thing and because of that she got she bought me in four times for the wire and i ended up booking you know a recurring role i ended up doing all five seasons 19 episodes and uh may i ask if it was was it four times for that particular role that you ended up getting or with different no they had me read for the mayor for a couple other things and uh this 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 you know detective holly was just like i thought it was just a one and done i did one episode and then they said oh they, they want to have you back and that was the episode where i'm probably most infamous for for beating up bubbles because uh our uh, kima the, the female detective the lead female lead got shot and i yeah. was trying to track her down and bubbles number was in there so i, I kind of beat him up and people you know because that's why i knew the show was big because at the time I was living in the hood and a couple of drug dealers were like, going on because it was like two drug houses on my block. And they were like, yo, man, we saw you beat up Bubbles, dog. <laughs> I was like, oh, now I'm famous with the drug dealers. So <laughs> it was You funny. know you are coming into your own. Yeah. <laughs> you got street cred. Yeah, I did. I did this See, that's the thing, man. You just don't know. Every audition, you're like, oh, I didn't get it. But you don't know what, what they're gonna they're gonna have you in mind for something, and then look right. to you're on one of the greatest shows in the history of television. Oh, I'm I'm so blessed. I mean, I'm just a small part of it, but yes, in the top ten, I think you know, which yeah, is, uh, easily. It's it's amazing. I mean, and that was a lot of on the job training too. So I, I I learned so much, and I just was. I just texted, uh, you know, Wendell Pierce, who's on Broadway now doing Death of a Salesman, which I just saw. I saw a couple months ago and he was I, after the show. I just I just hugged him. And I just actually wept because he moved me that much. It was so powerful. And that but um, 
but yeah, so I learned so much from Wendell. Uh, he uh, and he was he's a mentor of mine. I mean, no, I'm older than him, but he's just such a brilliant, brilliant actor. And I, I saw him on stage and uh, years ago at, in Philly doing uh, Joe Turner's Come and Gone at Philadelphia Drama Guild. But I learned so much just from watching him and, and listening to him, and you know, and he, uh, you know, it was because I know what happened because in season two I was supposed to be in like three or four episodes, but something happened. There was some kind of scandal. Because the guy who was playing my partner was an actual police commissioner of Baltimore at the time, and I think he got embroiled in the scandal, and then they didn't they didn't use me. And then the le- very last episode of uh, season two, they called me in. They said they, they want to use you. I'm like, what do they want me back for? I'm, you haven't seen my character the whole, se- you know, episode, season two. But I didn't know that they, they they didn't tell me that they wanted me back for three and four. So, but. But I got there and I was I just was nervous because I hadn't been on set the whole season. And I was I had like a like a four line monologue and I was messing it up. And then Wendell was like, hey, man, just calm down. It's all right. You got it. And he just kind of just eased my mind and, and just let yeah. me you know, get through it. So that's so important, too, because people don't understand. Like, look, it's not shoveling coal. No. Is it a hard job? Yeah, but let's keep it in perspective. But man, yeah. it's a lot of pressure. It's pressure. You got to hit that mark and you got to make yep. sure the can't, your lighting is fine. You can't look down at the mark and then you got to no. do these lines. And oh, man, I, I did NYPD Blue and that was oh, that was like my yeah. first really good acting roles. And I yeah. a comedian accused of killing a club owner. I'm like, oh, I've, I've lived this. Nice. <laughs> I but I, there was up. one part I kept messing up and, yeah. and the director was really just wonderful to me. I, I just, it's it's really a lot of pressure, especially when you really it's something that you really want to be good at. You know yeah, what I mean? Man. No, I got you. I, I did an episode of Servant M Night Shyamalan's uh, show, and his daughter actually wrote and directed the episode. She's a beautiful young lady, very talented. But and we I had to be that was during the the pandemic, so I had to be quarantined there for like a mm-hmm. week. And um and I got on set. I mean, you know, I was playing an exterminator, and I, I don't know what the hell was wrong, but I I poop the bed that that expression i won't yeah. say the word but um i kept messing my lines up and i don't know why i mean i've done one man show 60 pages by myself and i couldn't i couldn't get this thing right and they ended up they kept me in the episode but they only used my voice so i must have been pretty darn bad so yeah. i really i really felt bad about that because i was so amped to be on the show and i just screwed up man royally screwed oh, and up. then you get hot you get yep. really hot and then it's a cold sweat and Man, I did two guys, two guys, a girl in a pizza place. Oh, yeah. three times. That was Love my first. That, that was my first. That was that was my SAG card because I got Taft Hartley for a commercial, and then I did oh. two guys, a girl in a pizza place. And I remember it so vividly. There was a guy, and I, he all he had to do was get on the phone. Hey, remind me to get Pete and, and Berg new lives for Christmas, and he couldn't. <laughs> he couldn't do it. He screwed the oh. line up so many times. And you're oh. in front of a live audience. And oh my! Dan oh. Jacobson, the executive producer, is coming over. Let's change. They changed the line, and, and they had to alter the line because he just couldn't get it. And you oh, just man. you just feel awful watching this happen to this poor guy and you can only imagine what he what is happening inside of his body right now because right. man when there's did you do any where there was a live audience did you that's no i've never i've doing? never done like that kind of was like a three camera shoot or something I've yeah never three done or four like live audience that's the majority yeah. of what i was doing back when they did that's a ton hard of shows. man I, I i don't have training with that that's scary well you gotta okay you're it's i gotta wait for my line my line's coming up here it is it's like uh, swallowed swallow before you go like your body you, don't, <laughs> you have to know your body you have no control 
You just don't know what's going to happen. It's so exciting, especially being a stand-up. That's what I love. When you walk through and you get a line and you get a laugh and you get that immediate Ah. response. And then they cut and then they all huddle up. What if you said this? Yeah, that's great. Everybody laughs and then you you get a big laugh. That's what I love, man, was doing that with all the writers huddle up, like just throwing little ideas around. Too fun. Hey, Brad, did you ever do Seinfeld? Did you ever? I did not. I moved oh. here in about ni- uh, 96, so it's just a little late to get in on that show, but I have a lot of friends who did that. I did get in on Friends. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. And I'm still getting checks. Oh, you know, yeah, You ever man. notice this? SAG, that's the biggest check that I get. I, I, yeah, I'm still getting friends? checks for like five, 600 they bucks. five times a day. It's unbelievable. Yeah, and then like yeah. each gener- another generation will discover it. Yep. Like I dated a woman and she had a nine-year-old daughter and then all of a sudden I'm instant I have instant credibility because she <laughs> saw my friend's episode. Yeah. And um but yeah, man, those uh they hold on to those bigger checks a little longer than they do the ones for other do. book, don't they? They, they do. want to squeeze that interest in their account. And I'm like, you know, I'm not gonna get this before Christmas. I know how this works. Oh. You see one with three digits, you're like, Well, this isn't coming for three months. But if you got a twelve cent that was a great Christmas gift. Maybe about three years ago, I got my first residual check for Siren. And it was mm. like, oh, my God, I can actually buy gifts this year. And I was like, because I saw that it was in 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 flux or whatever. And then it got I got it like maybe a week before Christmas. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. Oh, those, I can buy those, Christmas gifts. <laughs> it really is. It's just went the, the little little uh, residual lottery. Oh, man, it's, it's, it's one of the most fun things about this butt. business. Many times, you know, because getting paid for something that you did 20 years ago. What a concept. But then try to explain that to the unemployment office. It's like, no, no, I didn't. I didn't work for this. This is from years ago. They're like, yeah, right, buddy. I even (laughs) think they just like, okay, because I've had to do that so many times and explain to them. It gets sent to the union, then it sits and then it gets sent to the manager and then it sits and then it gets sent to the it's like and even i got a call from a re- like a really mr dunkelman uh we need to verify your income for you know because of the extended <laughs> unemployment that we got during this pandemic yes. which, you know thanks for letting us survive we appreciate that yeah california took care of us out here i don't know about where you are Good. but we got taken care of yeah but then i get did. this call and they're like you need to verify i'm like they're all residuals i didn't work remember when nobody could leave their home Right. <laughs> it, I didn't go out and work seven jobs during lockdown. Yeah. And then I sent it in. I faxed it in. And then I called. And he's like, well, okay, we uh, you we did verify that these are residuals. Are you aware, Mr. Dunkelman, that you have to, uh, to declare these residuals? And I'm thinking, um, I'm, no. I'm going to, I'll call your supervisor, click. And I'm like, they got me. They got me. And then you know what happened? Nothing. No. I just kept getting my checks. Yeah, thank they you. Told me, they were like, "No, we, we you're clear with that." So, because but the thing is, you got to get somebody on the phone, which is a, near impossible to do. Forget about they it. They could solve the whole unemployment problem if they hired more people to answer the phones at unemployment. Yes, you're right. Every person in this country would be employed if they all worked for unemployment, answering the damn phone. Oh my God! I I I started to apply for that. Yeah, you know, one of those jobs. I was like, you guys need help. Yeah, they do. They do. All right, let's get back to your career. You worked with Will Smith and Martin Lawrence. I'm you know Bad what? Boys too. I did not. I saw you did not. That, that is Chris. a false credit. No, no, he's it's not his fault. IMDb has me listed in that. You better cut this it's out. His, God it's damn not it. his fault. No, there, there is a guy. No, there is a guy that looks a lot like me that's in that movie, but it's not me. Jesus, Chris. 
But that's not his fault. This IMDb did yeah. that. I did not put that on my yeah. credit list. All right. Yeah. Well, what'd you think about Will Smith smacking Chris Rock? Let's talk. <laughs> well, hey, man, listen. I, I know people who know Will work with him. And, you yeah. know, I, I think he's a lot. It's funny. I had just bought his book right before that happened, too. But, uh, I, I mean, I think it's just unfortunate. I think he, the brother was dealing with some demons. I, I just felt really bad for him because it just it just ruined the whole night. It ruined his his night, and it ruined, you know, projects he had coming up. Yeah. And it just was so, so unfortunate. And, you know, I mean, does Chris Rock have some, I don't know, culpability? Oh, yeah, you're, you're a stand-up. I mean. None. Zero. None. He has zero. zero. Okay. He did zero wrong. He did nothing wrong. He said, you look beautiful. Right, yeah, right. G.I. Jane. The, the the funniest thing is David Spade immediately tweeted, a G.I. Jane joke? Right. <laughs> How long ago is that? What kind of current reference is that? No, I am a comedian, and I had a very visceral reaction to that. Oh, because, you know, I you know, know a bunch of comics that I know did oh, too. So, yeah. But let's flip that. What an unbelievable example of restraint and class and civility on Chris Rock's part. He oh, he's he's did yep. no action. He did nothing to retaliate. Of course, you know it's Chris Rock. He's not stupid. He Will no. would have kicked his ass. <laughs> well, but the way he handled himself, somebody would have pulled Will off. But but no, he yeah. Chris Chris came out. He 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 came out like a rose because it really did. He and they say he's going on stage and people just go berserk. Yeah, like I know Chappelle. Well, he came out in one of Chappelle's shows and they they, they just bigger ovation for him than Chappelle. Yeah. So he's 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 using it. He's using. All right. So you you didn't work with Will Smith and Martin Lawrence. Come no, on, I, Chris. I, would, I would have loved to. Believe me, <laughs> I, I would I would be happy. No, I, 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 that's my fault, Chris, because I meant to say something. Oh no, no, it's fine. Dunk's just messing with me. He likes to do this. As long as we both we all three agree that this is Chris's fault, I don't. It's fine. <laughs> no, it was my fault. I should have pointed it out. Too. It's your fault for looking like somebody. Come on. Yeah. I don't know, but I don't know why IMD, IMDb put that on my credit thing. Now I know a, a movie that you were it for. Well, I hope you were in this one. Jeez, Chris, one of my favorite <laughs> movies of the last several years, uh, *Silver Linings Playbook*. Yes, well, I'll tell you that um, I got a lot of traction for that, but that was really a featured extra role. That um, no kidding. I had I had a callback for uh, for the husband of uh, Julia Stiles' character, which I was too old for. But I was in a room with David O. Russell, man. I, I felt like I was in a boxing ring. I was in there for like maybe 25, 30 minutes. And I did these. He had me prepare the husband of Julia Stiles and this cop role, which was really a great role. End up going to this this uh, this white dude with, with uh, red hair. He's a great guy. Um, he's been in a bunch of stuff. But it was a totally different. I mean, I don't feel bad because they went in a totally different direction. But, um, but I I had to prepare these two roles. I did that. We improved it, and then David O. Russell was in the room, just me and he, he and I, and he was typing out lines. And he wanted me to basically. It was an improv, but he typed out lines for the improv, and then when I didn't <laughs> deliver the lines, he just typed and gave me verbatim. He got pissed off at me, so I was like, "Oh yeah, you know, I'm trying my best here, buddy." But, but anyway, uh, but it, but the casting director said uh, he's requested you for this scene. It's, it's a great scene though because I got the I was in the room with De Niro, who I, I had met previously because I was in Limitless with Bradley Cooper and De Niro. I didn't have any scenes with. You're in Limitless too. Yeah, I, I have three That's scenes a cool with Bradley movie. Cooper. Yeah, Chris, yeah, why'd you Bra put that in? And Bradley was Bradley was amazing. <laughs> but, Love Bradley um, Cooper. 
Yeah, but it was a scene where oh, what's the comic's name? I can't. I'm blanking on the. Oh, Chris. Chris, uh, Chris Tucker. Yes, Chris Tucker. It's a scene where we take. It's the scene that they're watching the game, and De Niro's there, and Bradley, and um, oh god, I'm blanking on the other guy's name. But it it was it was a, gr- a group scene, and this other guy and myself, we take we remove Chris Tucker from the house because he escaped from this uh, mental pl- facility. Yeah. So yeah, but it, it was great just being there, and uh, I got to watch De Niro work. And the thing about O'Russell is if you. <sighs> Because he did this to me during the, like I said, he gave me these lines on the fly and just wanted me to do them. But while we were filming, he was throwing, and the camera kept rolling, but he was throwing these different lines out to De Niro. And, you know, De Niro was a total pro. You could see, you know, but I could see where he was, it was a little, it was something kind of seething because he it was, I think he was a, a bit uncomfortable about doing this on the fly, but he did it. Yeah, but saying stuff you'd never said before. Right. Yeah. But it was like, but he was just throwing this stuff at him and, and, but how De Niro dealt with it, like a total pro was a great, great lesson. And I got to see him, I got to yeah. see, I got to see him act, you know, God. and, and take direction and all that stuff too. But there was, it was, it was like being a fly on, it was a master class. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. So twice you got to see De Niro work. Yes. On two yeah. different projects. Well, yeah, that, but, um, but no, I didn't have any scene. No, I mean, I was literally on set for yeah. Silver Linings Playbook, but Limitless, we didn't have any scenes together. My oh, scenes okay. were, all, were all with Bradley. But I met De Niro. I was I was working at the National Constitution Center um, uh, do, as an actor uh, doing Freedom Rising. And after my show, my last show, they said, you had you had a VIP here. And I was like, who was it? And they were like, De Niro. I was like, what? And I ran up and I met him and his wife at the time. And she was very lovely. She said, oh, you have such a great voice. And you know, and then, but he was very quiet. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. you know, you know, De Niro. but, uh, but he, but well, he but, was, he's just very shy, but he was just, yeah. it was, I was just blown away. But anyway. Yeah. That's amazing. I, I've never come into anybody, any content. I, I sat next to Michael Keaton once and I was like, oh. I, I have to say it was this, um, it was called the 40 deuce. It was a burlesque club. It was very hot here. And it was 40, right when I've I was doing, club. Yeah, yeah, right when I was doing idol. And so I had a nice table and he's sitting oh, right next man. to me. I, it's, I can't, I, I have to, I had to say, I've, I never do this. But I'm like, I'm so sorry. To You're on the biggest you. show in the world. You had to say something. Yeah, like, I'm, 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 my name's Brian. I'm on this new karaoke contest. It hasn't come out <laughs> yet. But like, you, you fucking Batman, dude. Like, I, I've <laughs> always, he's always been one of my idols. So I, oh, and you know what? I saw too, that, the first celebrity sighting I had. I was catering. I catered the SAG Awards, the third oh. SAG Awards. Oh my and the god! The first person I walked by was Dennis Hopper. Wow! And I went, oh my god! Wow! I'm living the dream. That's right, baby. Seinfeld asked me where the bathroom was, and I, I, <laughs> I, I couldn't really. I, I told him to go a totally wrong direction because I was like, Jerry Seinfeld's talking to me. I didn't make a mistake. I'm 25. Oh it's all gonna happen. You know what? I, I met, I met Seinfeld. I was doing a, um, a screenplay reading of, uh, for, uh, and I know you know him, Colin Quinn. Oh yeah. You know, because Seinfeld had uh, backed a couple of his one man shows, and it was mm-hmm. it was in New York, and um, and I read a line that I and I knew Seinfeld was in the audience. I could I could see him. He was like three three people back, and I read a line, and Seinfeld laughed at it, and I was like, I can die happy. Yeah. And I met him afterwards. I was like, Hey, man, you're a comedic genius. It's such, and he was very gracious, you That's know. Cool. But it, Seinfeld laughed at it. I mean, it was written by Colin Quinn. So you know it's funny, but sure, yeah. Seinfeld laughed at the line that I said, so I was in heaven. 
That's that's it, very man. cool, man. Yeah. One of the greats laughs at something you do. That's you, you, that means so much to you, man. I did one joke. Ron Ron White was the next comic, and you oh, know, yeah. most people are ready. They're getting in their head, and yeah. he took the time to stop me. They in, he stopped me, shook my hands, he referenced the joke. He's like, "That's one solid piece of comedy right there, young <laughs> man." And I was like, "That gets you through." Like when yeah, you're down, bro. like man, with Ron White. It, what's why doesn't everybody else think Ron White likes me? What's your problem? Right. But that but really, I, from what I understand, that it's very your business is very cutthroat, man. And it's, yeah. it's some people are most comics. I think they don't want to give you any praise, you know, because it's it's like oh, I can't say something nice to this guy, you know. But you know, but that that's the thing. I try to do that with young actors. I, I see a lot of stuff, and it's I'll, I'll give you praise. It's like oh my god, that was so wonderful. I learned something from watching that. The thing I noticed is I came from the Buffalo area and then I moved to Colorado for a year and then I moved here and I found the the smaller, in every sense of the word, the smaller the environment, the more cutthroat it is. Wow. And then as you rise up, when I was at the improv, I was meeting these comics and I would have a comedian come up to me and say, hey, that joke you did uh, uh, about dogs was really funny. What, what if you said that for a tag? Oh. They'll give you jokes. Nice. Because everybody, as you rise... Everybody's a little bit more secure in what they're capable of. Right, right. And I think it's really been a change, especially since I moved out here, because it used to just be late night talk show or your own sitcom, and that's it. Right. Well, now everybody can make a living doing podcasts. I'm I'm the last one to really start doing one, because I, oh. I did make it in, you know, the, 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 the mainstream business, you know what I'm saying? But yeah. now... Everybody's everybody can have a piece of the pie if they want and if they work hard enough. Where before it really wasn't like that, so it's been more of a community. So people have each other on their podcasts, and people like Joe Rogan will take comedians that are so difficult to follow because he wants to up his game. Wow! He brings murderers on the road with him who just destroy, and then he's got to go out there and take that level from where that guy left it and just Whoa. keep going with it. Really? Because you know, there's other comics that will intentionally not bring people that are that good. Yeah. Just so they look like a genius when they're on stage. Exactly. Yeah, I've, I've heard how cutthroat your business is, man, and, and, and people stealing jokes. and Stealing jokes is a lot harder now because the internet – Yes. You know, you're going to get called on it and you don't want to yep. get that. You don't want to get that reputation no, no, at no, all. No. I don't know, man. Tell us about working with Michael B. Jordan. Oh, Michael, man, he was such a sweetheart. I mean, I knew him from The Wire, even though we never had scenes together because I played a homicide detective. So he didn't want to be in a scene with me because that meant you were dead. That's like it. <laughs> when, when Idris Alba got killed, I was one of the first cops on the scene. So, but um, Mike, Mike, I, and I would see him sometimes in, at the auditions at Mike Lemons. But uh, that that was amazing because I, uh, Diane Heary and, and Jason Loftus, Heary Loftus casting, they invited me to do a ta- the table read of Creed. So I was there, I was in a room with Stallone and a bunch of LA people. And, you know, I had to read like six, seven different characters. And, um, and I don't know what happened, but after the table read, I got a call. And uh, they said, somebody liked you. They want you to read for this other, for the, because I had read for a role and I didn't get it because I met Ryan Coogler, who was, this is sweetheart. And I was like, hey, man, I know I don't know you, but I'm so proud of you, you know, for when they did Fruitvale Station and he, he and Michael. So I ended up reading for this other role and I booked it. And so I got there and I had the scene with, it was just Michael, uh, Michael and I. We shot two scenes. They only kept one. But at one point, Ryan Coogler asked everybody to leave the room, and it was just Ryan, 
and Michael and myself in the room and we improv this scene and we we did it a couple times a couple times Ryan would give me something and not say it to to uh Michael so it, it would be a surprise to him yeah so that was just Kugler was the, the best film director I've ever worked with and the guy was like in his 20s at the time I mean he was a genius just brilliant and um you know Michael B I'm just so I'm so happy for him I'm so proud of him you know I don't know him like that but I just know him to say hi and it was just so great to work with him and um we just had a lot you know we just I just love the Quan you know that's the line from um Jerry Maguire, the Quan that uh, that Michael B and Ryan had, that that it was like like Scorsese and De Niro, you know, mm. the, the 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 rapport that they had. So just I'm just so happy for Michael B, and I support everything that he does, and he's just an amazing young man, and, and Ryan Coogler is just uh guy, like he's a, he's a, he's a genius. Yeah, it's interesting with these. Uh, with, with, do you think even with David O. Russell was just trying to get more of a natural reaction by throwing lines that you had never said before? I mean, you know, you, you hear stories that Brando wouldn't wouldn't look at the script and he would tape. Right. tape he would stuff. tape the lines on a lamp or on actors, other actors on the chest. Yeah, <laughs> but um, but no, That's you know, there, there's there's stuff out there about O. Russell. If you, there's a thing with Lily Tomlin and Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> oh where, God, you know, it's classic. And, and I heard Huckabee's. Yeah, he's calling. He's calling her the c word. He's he's I calling. Know it. She's calling him stuff, and and you know, Dustin is like, just calm <laughs> down, Lily. And then and she's like, f you, Dustin. <laughs> so Why doesn't everybody just calm down? Everybody just calm down. I mean, you know what? Whenever whenever I need a good laugh, I rewatch that video on YouTube. Oh, it's so great. <laughs> oh, it is. But I mean, he's it's a just, he's a brilliant director, and he, he's had oh yeah, how many different people that are nominated for his film? So he's doing yeah. something right. Yeah, I would. I would love to work scream with him. at me. Yeah, scream yeah. at me all it you just, want. It just kills me when he walks out and then he walks back in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you're, oh. you know what? You're you're a genius. You're a little crazy. I mean, that's kind of yeah. that's it. But he giveth and he taketh. Thing. You know. There's a thin line between genius and insanity, but and but you have to be that to be in this business, though, right? Yeah, he's got to be something wrong with you. Yeah. If you're going to be any good, that's for sure. I mean, yep. <laughs> now, how do you how do you approach how do you prepare for stage acting differently from screen acting? There's a huge difference, you know. You're 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 20 feet tall on the movie screen, right? But in a in a theater, you got to project. What what do you do with your preparation? Theater's about repetition, man, and it's just yeah. um, you know, you you don't you in there, you know, six six to eight hours a day for six you know six weeks. You got yeah. Mondays off. That's it. So, like this role that I'm doing now in the Royale is it really kicked my butt, and it really took me until previews to get it because the timing and the precision that's needed for these these there's claps, there's stomps, there's just all yeah. this crazy stuff happening in this play, and it took me a while to really get that that rhythm. But like with the film thing, is it's it's pretty. You know, I'm a pretty quick study. I can you know get the lines pretty quickly. But with theater, you know, you got to this play is like 85 minutes, but I've, you know, I've done three hour plays or whatever. Whereas wow. and I got like, ten, you know, August Wilson, you get 10 <laughs> two page monologues or whatever. So it's, it's it's a different set of muscles. I mean, acting is acting. Yeah. Yes. But, you know, theater, I, if people ask me if you if you'd only do one, I would pick theater just because you really? get that live response for the audience and you get to tell a story beginning, 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 middle and end. Whereas with film and TV, like a couple of things that I've just recently done, you're shooting out a sequence. Like the first, this uh, spec pilot that I shot 
earlier this year. Um, I, the first scene, my first day on set is a scene where my my uh, elder daughter is dying of cancer, and it's like, really, dudes? I got this, is, and I got to cry on cue, and it's like, this is my first scene. <laughs> you know, I never met this yeah. girl, and this was this is an intensive, heavy, emotional scene, and that was my first introduction to the character. Uh. So. Yeah, I mean God. that's that's the difference. I mean, at least with the, with theater, you get you get a chance to work up to that. But in film, TV, it's like bam, here you go, have fun, buddy. And yeah. uh, that's that's one of the differences, you know. So even with that grueling schedule, that's what you prefer because of the, there's the, the more the electricity in the air. It's the same thing with with a live sitcom taping. It's that right. But if, if the, when I asked if that's if I could only do one, but of course yeah. I've, I've been very blessed to be able to do, you know, film. TV and and theater and uh, recently I, I the agency I was with they they let me go because uh, I'm getting re- I have I'm getting I'm having uh, hip replacement surgery at the end of the month. And, oh, I've um, got a couple buddies that have had that. You're going to be fine. You'll be walking. Oh yeah, you'll be yeah. walking no, that I, day. I had the left one done. Now I'm getting the right one. Oh, done. Oh okay, but, so you, yeah, you already yeah. did then. But it's um, but I I I usually don't make enough from SAG after to get their insurance. So equity is my insurance. I had to turn down a bunch of like high profile film TV. Well, they were, they were auditions, but they asked for me to reform. And the agency I was with got pissed because, you know, I was like, I got to do this theater. I got to do this theater to get these health weeks so I can get this hip replaced. And then they were like, all right, well, we, we're, we're, we're cutting ties with you. So Somebody like, with a hundred credits on IMDb. No, they don't care. They don't get it. This, this is a, this is a lesson for everybody. For They're, they're not making money from theater. It, well, exactly, yeah. and they're they're not about the love of the game. They're about the no. money. No, know? and I, I tried to tell them it's not about it's. You know, I would I would. You think I you, I I enjoy working for this pittance a week? Well, I'm sorry, that's not every theater gig. But there was a theater right. gig that I took earlier that I hadn't gotten paid that low since probably the '90s. But I was getting health weeks with it, which which I needed for my health insurance. Sure. So that's why I did, and, and I worked with some really great people. Yeah, but I. Could I? I couldn't afford to pay my bills. I'm still working behind, you know, trying to catch up from the from when I had to that six weeks of making like this very low number. But I got the very important. I got six health weeks, which I really needed. So, so I, it was a compromise, and my wife, you know, her, helped me out with that. But, um, but yeah. So it's it's not. Uh, yes, film and TV pays a lot better. You can make uh, even on my small level. I can make what I in one day what it takes two weeks of theater to make. So, yeah. So I, would I rather be making film and TV money? Yeah. But I also need to take care of my health too. So I can't be a burden to my family. So it's a catch 22. Yeah. So there's another question on here. I, what's the best part of being a full-time actor and what's the worst part? There's the two points So we've touched on the, the you know. Sure. Well, the best part of, of, of course, is just doing what I love for a living. That's it. You know, and just the creativity. Like, and I know people that have been on Broadway and a young lady, spectacular. She was with Lion King for like 10 years or more. I can't imagine. Doing, I mean, I, I love being able to do different stuff and being done with it. But I don't know that I, you know, there, there's a craft to being able to do something for a year or two years or even more. And I mean, at that point, you get vacation days and all that stuff. Yeah. But to be able to, to do that every day for you know for weeks and months and whatever i don't know that i i never had to do that but i like the the variety of the, doing the other things that i do so the best part is obviously just doing what i love for a living and, and the worst part is uh just always 
you know, even when you're in the midst of working, you got to worry about what your next job is. So it's it's never it's 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 that it's a gamble, man. You know, and um, and I got a I got a problem with penny slots, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but um, but I didn't stay. I mean, it's easy to stay away when you don't have any money, but um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's just it's that constant grind. You know, you yeah. it's, it's never a break, and like you can't. You know, with my family this year, we went we went to um, Atlantic City for four hours. I mean, that was it for vacation because I can't. It's hard to schedule. Anything. It's long enough to be in Atlantic well, City. Yeah, but <laughs> I love the beach. But it's just yeah. that that part is 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 daunting. You know, you don't know where your next check is coming from, and you got and you're constantly auditioning. You're constantly submitting. You know, yeah. even when you're in the midst of something, so it's hard. You can never fully con- give your full concentration to something because you're always looking for work. So yeah, I've got I've got sides. I've got dialogue in my head from something right. I didn't get twenty years ago, and it's like I'm trying to help my wow. kid with math. I'm trying to uh-huh. help him last night, and I'm like, I don't have, I don't. There's no more room. There's no <laughs> more. I don't. Right. I don't know how to do this. I don't know why you do it. And my kid's about to turn ten, and I said, let me just explain the reality of life to you. Mm. You know how you're going to do long <laughs> division? You're going to go boop 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 boop. There's the answer. That's. <laughs> This is what this is what your life is going to be. But right now, you have to learn this, and you have to learn it properly. So Facetime your mother because oh, Daddy yeah. doesn't know. I, I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna help you here. Hey, listen, let you me what? tell you, man. My my wife is amazing because she my my daughter is uh, she's dealing with math and trigonometry and all this stuff, and it's like, Ugh. baby, I want to help you, but that is literally you know it's like a foreign language to me. I'm yeah. Not, and, and what do you show the work? Wife. The, the new math i don't know what oh. i don't have any idea what you're doing it i show i can do it old school that's how daddy yeah. does it but you don't want to do everything like me you're yeah, so, I, I tell him you're supposed to be better than me i tell right. him all the time just be my better my daughter than me. is she's definitely better than me <laughs> 14 that's a great age though i mean my, yep. my kid's about to turn 10 how was it how'd she how'd she do to, th- through the pandemic if you don't mind me asking it was rough you know what well, yeah uh, it, it was rough but we you know we got closer because it was weird because right Right before the pandemic, this I was about to leave. I was I was going to Vero Beach to do the Bodyguard, the musical. It was a, a six week. Well, it was really a four month gig, but I was going to be in in um, in Vero Beach, Florida, for six weeks, and then coming back to Walnut Street Theater. That would have been my first time working there. That's the biggest theater in Philadelphia that pays the most. So I was going I was going to be make the most I ever made as a theater actor, but. The week before we were supposed to fly out, everything got canceled. That's when everything you know, broadly shut down. So I went from being away from home for six weeks to being us forced to being together as a family. Because I, you know, my schedule was usually, you know, hey, I'll I'll be gone for ten hours. I'll see you guys in the sure. morning at the end. But so it, it was, you know, my wife said, you you were in a dark place because I couldn't I couldn't do anything creatively, even though I. I was doing some things online or whatever, but, and I didn't realize how dark a place that I was in, but uh, mm. yeah. And it was rough, you know, and it was rough for my kid too. And it's, they're still, you know, getting over it. But I, I mean, I thank God that they're back in school and, and she, she has friends that she likes and, and, you know, they're spending time together, but it, it was, it was rough, man. You know, I'm sure it was, it was rough for your kid too, right? Well, he was younger though. Yeah. If there's a perfect age for a pandemic, right. I think it's seven. Because any younger, I mean, you're 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 pretty developed. The yeah. three, four, five, those years are so important. That's your yep. developmental years, really. And so he, you know, and his brain was fully functioning already. But we, I started a YouTube channel, a gaming oh. 
playing video games. Nice. And then I was we did we would play a game from my generation, so we'd play Pac-Man, oh. and then we'd play a Roblox game, and, and nice. it was a lot of fun because it was so time consuming for yes. me to learn how to do all that. So it really gave me something to do. But then, you know, I thought this is going to be amazing. Two, three months, we're not going to leave the house. And then this is, <laughs> I'm going to get puzzles. And then it goes to a year. I'm like, yeah. oh, my God. I got pictures of him homeschooling. He's laying on the chair just with his book on the floor. And I'm like, this is. And then I, that, I thought, he's got to have social interaction. So I let him get the headset yes. for the video games. I'm like, it's too important. And, of course, I would listen. Are they saying any bad words? You know, but then right. he, became a, he, he found a best friend. He's never met him. Oh. You know, and that interaction, they're just not playing the game. They're talking. And a lot of these games are, you know, they're problem solving. And then, of course, too much Fortnite. Yes. I don't know. Well, what I, you I hear do? these stories about these the grown men that are on there with, you know, kids your, your son's age. I've got several comedy bits about it. <laughs> You're right. I'm sure you did. <laughs> Getting in fights with nine-year-olds. <laughs> like, threatening a nine-year-old. I'm like. <laughs> what are you doing, man? Yeah, so it's. I, I, that's something that because I'm older, man. I'm much older than you guys, so it's that 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 gaming thing never. I never got into it, so yeah, I was. I'd rather a, go a, see a player or a movie. Yeah, I, the Atari was me, but like I get it. I wanted to play video games when I was his age, and his mother's like, "Look, I've I've seen a couple studies saying it's very good for them, and I don't need to read anymore." I yeah, right. This one, this is the study. It helps their their confidence. A lot of <laughs> well, they do say if, 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 up until literally six hours in a row. Yeah. Too much. You know, yeah. It's not harmful until you're like, well, then you're just, you're brain dead at that point. But the social interaction, the 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 sense of community that it gives. And I'm telling you, I'm worried about a lot of these kids because I coached his baseball team when they let us outside again. And right. a couple of these kids, I swear to God, they looked at me like I was speaking another language. I would literally have to say, okay, now you you take off you take off the helmet. You put the cap and you get your glove and you go back out there. It's a pattern. I mean, wow. I'm not kidding. And they were looking at me blankly because they just, that one year, yeah. I don't know what their parents were doing, but I'm just happy that homeschooling is over. Yeah. I want to walk past that laptop wondering if I have pants on or not. Like, you know, <laughs> and I'm talking in the afternoon because it was the pandemic who cared. <laughs> Let right. me ask you this question. Um, yeah. Because I, I, my SAG status, I had to leave the business for a little bit, and I hadn't worked in years. But SAG still wants like six hundred dollars a year. I'm oh, like, of course. Where are you getting these numbers? And so I just stopped paying it. Yeah. So technically, I can kind of do both right now. I just oh, did good. a couple non-union. Do you think it's a good idea to join the union when you're first starting? What's your opinion on that? I think you you really have to know what your market is and what your what your brand is or whatever because if you if you don't know what you're doing yet, I, I would advise people to wait. You know, you know, work on your craft. Um, you know, yeah. my thing came to be a must join because I was in a big movie or whatever. But yeah. Um, but there's some people that, you know, they they probably be better off doing non union for a while until they build up enough credits and and build up enough confidence. But if, if you get a big break, then you gotta you gotta go for it. But yeah, it's 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 tricky, man. It's really tricky, you know. And right, like right. And I, one thing I wish they would do, which is what Equity does, while you're working, they take out a number of dues because I got hit with a bill from yeah. I just had to send something into SAG and just say, hey, I can't pay that right now. So they're splitting it in two because mm -hmm. it's, they they hit you for work that you did a year ago. It's like yeah. that money's long gone. 
Yeah, I ate that. You know, why don't you take it out <laughs> while I'm working instead of hitting me for a bill where, where I'm doing theater now? I don't have all that money. You right. know, they, they're charging me for something that I did a year ago. It's like that money's well long gone. So I gotta I gotta make a payment arrangement with them. So I can get the free DVDs. <laughs> yeah, you're trying to be re- exactly. That's the only thing that I miss is those free screeners. But right. you're trying to be rational with an organization that sends you a check for two cents. You're so, right. There's you know, no you rationality. You can only get there, so far with that. At least um, take money out while I'm working. It, it, you, you'll get your money faster. And, exactly. And I won't have to worry about when I'm not working. Paying mm-hmm. you're paying you know exorbitant dues. Yeah, it's like if you're just charging me off of my residuals. Come on. Now, yeah, but it's but also there's another well controversy thing that that you know because I know some people who are who are FICOR, and I know that's a, a bad word to say to some SAG after actors, but it's like I would never say something to anybody who needs to to do FICOR or to work union and non union because they got bills to pay, they got kids who, who are in school and need medicine and all that stuff. So do what you have to do for your own purpose but you know there's some sag after actors that are like no FICOR is the devil you know it's like yeah i'm not going to say that make money how you got to make money but i I mean i'm i'm not in it but you know i know 20 years ago one of the times one of the times we went on strike and they're telling us go to these non-union scab shoots and with pots and pans and just bang them so you can't (laughs) so they can't use any takes so this is what we're getting told and then my best friend goes and shoots a a couple non-union but he was not in the union ah. and they were like $50,000 buyouts for wow. non-union stuff and I'm like I don't blame you no. he's not in the union you're not hurting me I'm not no. going to show up on your set with a pot and a pan No. and then you know what he had to join the union and you know what they did to punish him you can't vote that oh. was his punishment Okay. <laughs> because he made all that dough when and I was supposed to distract his shooting yeah. and just can't vote. I don't vote and I'm a member. I know. I do <laughs> vote, but yeah, I, that's okay. That's, I'll take that punishment as opposed to a fine. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> now, here's a question that, like, you know, work on your craft. When does an actor know when they're ready? I, I'm still waiting. When do you know you're, when do you know you're ready? It's, you know, I, I'm very instinctual and, uh, that served me well in my acting career. So, yeah, you, I think you can tell by the response, and by also, you know, I know some actors that are like, "Oh, I never watch myself." It's like, well, how the hell are you going to get better? I mean, I don't yeah. like looking at myself. I'm, I'm hard. I mean, that's why I read reviews as an actor because nobody's harder on me than I am on myself. And it's yeah. like, I, I love constructive criticism, or whatever. But, but you gotta, you have to gauge that. I think you can tell from other people and. You know, if you you have to have some friends who are who are truthful, honest, yeah. who are real friends, and will tell you, "Hey, that was not good, bro," or you know, "That was really good," you know. And so, I think it's about who you surround yourself with, mm-hmm. and also, um, and watching yourself and comparing. I mean, I shouldn't say comparing, but um, no, but I, but, I totally agree. I yeah. think I, I adore watching myself. I don't know, but that sounds <laughs> wrong with me. I love I'm watching you, you too, Dunkleman. <laughs> I'll watch something dozens of times and because you have to see what you're doing. Yes. That's the only way you can get better. Well, is my head moving? Yeah. You don't know that. But, no. oh, is it unnatural to not move my head? And then you find yourself just studying yourself in regular conversations in real life because if yes. you want to be a good actor, you better start doing that. Or well, that's, if you that's meet not... somebody 
Yep. With a weird cadence or like you can use that. You can just yes. file that away. But file yeah, that you away. gotta you gotta watch yourself. Well, it's yes, yeah, it's, it's like one time I was I think I, it was a broken heart or something from a girl who broke up with me. And mm-hmm. I, that's how I knew I was an actor. I was like I, I went to the mirror and looked at myself crying to see what it looked like. Yeah. You know, I mean I was in <laughs> in the middle of that emotion, but I was like, Oh, okay. So Yeah. You gotta use what you got. But yeah, I think it's it's a combination of things. It's it's who you surround yourself with. Is if you're in class, you know, your teacher will tell you. Um, and you know, watching the stuff that you do. And 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 also being a student, you know, before the pandemic, I mean I still I probably see one movie a week now, but I used to see three, four movies a week. I you did know, too. Go 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 see a foreign film, even if you don't you yeah. can't emotion is emotion. That that go you know, you have to see a bunch of stuff. Go to go to a museum. Go yeah. go to theater. You know, go get moved watch. by something. You want? Yes, thank you. If go get you want to move somebody, something. you better figure out what moves you. Yep. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, and and, and people always, you know, a young guy asks, it's like whenever you get a chance to to act, act. I don't care if it's a student yeah. film, if it's a reading, if it's a uh, you know, if you're in front of your family. And I mean, how many people got their start doing, you know, doing little skits at home or whatever. When you get a chance to perform, perform. You know, when you're younger, even if you don't get paid, now it's like, how much is this paying? It's like, have you paid your dues yet? It's like, you know, because, you know, I always get people up. Yeah, man, I want to be in the movies. It's like, okay, you want to be in the movies? All right, study for 10 years. Go to 50 auditions. Maybe get cast in two things. Get the door shut in your face. get, get, Get a bunch of no's. And then come talk to me after that. Yeah, I just did a gig in Florida, and one of the guys serving food, he did real nice. I tried to be real friendly with everybody, yeah. and he's, I'm like, hey, if you're out in L.A., let me know. And then I, I give him my email address, and he emails me, hey, I just met you, and like, I do a ton of voices, and I'm like, yeah, so do I, and I can't get a job. Like, what are you? Right, I'm in the business. Yeah, and this is that's the most. And people are like, I do a lot of voices. That's the most competitive subset in yep. the entire industry because there are guys that can do. Your voice yep. and your voice and anybody. You have an amazing voice. Do you do a lot of VL work? <laughs> See, I'm, I was getting ready to tell you that story. It's like <laughs> I get this all the time. You should do voiceover work. Said, tell that to the producers that I read exactly. for that don't cast me. I hear you it know, too. <laughs> there's, I, I, there was literally a thing that said we're looking for a deep voice guy who sounds like James Earl Jones. And it's like, I've done a couple of commercials where I've imitated him. Like, Luke, I am your father. You know, and all all this stuff. And I didn't get that. And I was like, I was exactly what you were looking for. I didn't book that. You know, so it's like, there's no rhyme or reason to this this business. But there's a lot of stuff. I know people who do a lot of voiceover work, but they have clients. And I guess they've built up a rapport with these people. And they, they, they just book them outright instead of going through an agent yeah, or whatever. it's tight-knit, man. Very it's tight-knit. real tight-knit. It's a small amount of people making that money in voiceover. Man, and I was getting there, and then it just went away. Because yeah, I can man. tell I you, have, you have, like, good character voices and stuff. Uh, tell, like, again, tell that to the people hiring. I don't, you right. know, I, I haven't booked anything in forever. But you know me, what's cool? There's something, how do you know when you're ready? Well, time is a big factor if you're putting the work in and if you're working towards goal when you're you're more ready i just got look i stepped away for a while i finally actually booked an audition for the first time in a long long time i've gotten offers yeah which is great yes but like when you're getting offers to play yourself oh yeah i don't know how long am i this is a slippery slope but i actually (laughs) you know 
Sorry about that, Dunk. Whatever. But I mean, I've done a lot. But it's a good place to be to get yeah. off. Oh, acting yeah. is, is is blessed. But I finally got one that's just like it's not me. It's a character, and 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 I got to work with a younger dude. And for the very, really the first time, I got to take somebody under my wing. Nice. And he was nervous and never. And it's a level of confidence where I used to walk into a room when I was 27, and everybody, I'm like, I'm intimidated. I walk into a room now. I'm one of the oldest people in here. Yeah. I'm not gonna be fucking intimidated by you're 22. Who cares? You know, <laughs> 30s. 35 you're a child so something it it it, the the confidence elevates as the more wisdom i think the more life wisdom that you have is a really good tool in this business that's very true and that 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 does time and that and that does make a difference it really now what do you think are some common mistakes like if you've seen directors that common younger directors make or younger actors make what what do you what do you see to try and warn people against not understanding how powerful uh, silence and and gravitas mm. can be, and and not have to being you know everything doesn't have to be big and and spectacular. Sometimes it's just less is more. I mean, I'm a big fan of less is more, yes. and um, it doesn't have to be uh, that all the time. So just you know, as what's that joke about you know um, uh, running down to make love to all the all the the young the young guys says yeah I'll, let's go down there and 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 have sex with all of those things it's like let's 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 walk down and yeah. take our time and have sex with all of them or whatever that was uh, but, uh robert robert duvall scene in colors yes that's an old story but that's yes. the scene robert let's duvall. run down there and make love to one of these like no let's walk down may love to all of them, all of them. yeah <laughs> we're know, paraphrasing the, yeah but t- you know taking your time with stuff and 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 kind of and I think you know, making sure you you suss out the whole story, just know yeah. what's going on, and uh, you know, because sometimes it's like you're not aware of all the ins and outs, and just you know, breaking down a scene can be so very important, and just making sure you 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 know you know what you're talking about. Yeah, and also just how to act on set and how knowing. Oh uh, yes. How familiar can I be a with decorum on set? Like you see, you've seen extras. You've seen oh. some extras like you're being way too familiar with the people yeah. that are getting paid right. You know what I mean? You got to feel that. If somebody does not want to be talked to, don't. No. Don't talk to them. And I had one scene where I was like a, a, a craps, the croupier or whoever that got the stick guy with oh, the craps yeah. table. And one of the extras was like, well, technically that wouldn't. I'm like, well, why don't you tell the director? Yeah. Don't tell me that. <laughs> Nobody go, cares. Right. Camera's not even on it. Like they, have, just, they have technical directors there, so you exactly. Know, you but you know, I, I, you don't just walk up to you know Matthew Perry and start talking. No. If he says something to you, then you got your in. But you got to yeah. kind of have a little bit of gauge, yes, of how to act on a set. Well, there, there's a great. I'm sure you guys have seen it. There's a uh, there's a skit on Saturday Night Live where <laughs> the extras would be they were being extra. The background people were being extra. And to the point where they were they were obs- ob- obliterating the scene because they were yeah. doing so much. It's like yeah. it was a movie I was in, Rounders, with uh, Edward Norton. And, you were in Rounders. Yeah, yeah. This one scene is when Norton gets. I just watched it the other day. Norton that is one. Mo- that is one movie that if I see it on the road or on a ch- I, I, wherever it is, I'm That's gonna finish it. That's what happened. I did. I, I did. What that. scene? It's a scene where Edward Norton gets out of jail, and I'm I'm an inmate, and we're playing cards for cigarettes. All so right. it's like, I was That's like, awesome. you ain't walking out of here with our grits. Yeah, but, and it's funny because <laughs> Norton was 
giving me direction in the scene. And I'm looking at the director like, what am I supposed to do? And then he ended up casting me in Keeping the Faith, which he actually, it was his directorial debut. No kidding. Because I had like three quick scenes with Edward, Edward uh, I mean, Edward, with uh, Ben Stiller. But mm. um, I play a security guard in that. But uh, but the rounders thing, um, there was a guy in the, in the scene with us. He, he was basically like a featured extra because there was only four of us in the scene. But he, he started improving to the point where he was obscuring the lines, my scripted lines. And I'm like, yeah. dude, can I get my scripted lines out before you improv? Right. It's like, you know. Yeah, be a conscientious actor. But I'm not a director. What am I supposed to say? Yeah. Yeah. You know, but let the people who have scripted lines finish their lines first, then maybe improv. I don't know. I've had it too. I've, have you ever noticed too when they're doing your close up and then the other actor, he's inching, he's inching forward and he's inching yep. forward. I've seen that before and I'm like, I know what you're doing. Right. I know what you're doing. You're blocking, you're blocking my shot. Like, yeah. There's, don't be, how about that? Don't be like that. I had an audition. This was for a series regular role on a, on a Nickelodeon show. Nice. And it was, there, it was just uh, three of us. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody else going, just the three of us. And the executive producers are in there. And the other guy goes in. And I knew this guy not well. But I'm in my head preparing and looking at my lines. And he just comes over. Oh, you write yours down? Oh, I should have written mine down. Oh, what are you oh. doing this? And then I walk. Oh, yeah, I just it helps me. And then I walk to the other side of the room. He follows me. Oh, oh man, don't you hate it? when? And I'm like, I know what you're doing. Yep. I know what you're doing. And you know what sucks is I did really well. Got the call that night. You're the guy. They loved you. You just got to pass network. Didn't get a good call the next day. I didn't pass network, and you don't get you don't get told why. It doesn't. Maybe uh, they wanted a blonde guy. Maybe they right. wanted a taller guy. Maybe they don't like Brian Dunkelman. You know what I mean? But you don't get told that, and the other guy got it. Oh and no! Like, you shouldn't have been rewarded for that. The you guy were doing, that was bothering you, seriously. Yes, oh, he's the one who got it. Damn. And then cut two. I'm on the same set at Crafty. He's shooting his show as a, as a series regular, and I have a guest uh, starring role on the other show, and I got to have that uncomfortable banter. And I I know I'm coming off as a bit of a jerk. I'm trying not to, but I'm like, you're gross. Dude, yeah. And, and, and cool, now you're man. making that weekly money, and I'm not. And that's bad. Karma. I just wanted to tell him, don't do that again because it didn't work. I wanted to tell him, you, right. you came in second. And there's yep. just probably somebody at, at Nickelodeon who's never met me that doesn't like me. You just never know. Well, no, I, I learned that lesson with, with the TV stuff because it's easier with indie films and sometimes bigger films. But with TV, you got to pass a gamut of I don't know how many different people because I, you know, I got kind of far in one thing. I was between me, myself and another actor. And I, I well, I did have a theater conflict. And then they went with the other guy who ended up firing and bringing somebody else in. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's, but you gotta, especially for TV, you gotta get past a whole lot of people, even for just like a little, I mean, I say a guest star, not, not even series regular. I know I've never, yeah, I've read for like two series regular, but, but I've heard of stories about people that have had seven, eight callbacks, you know, at at that point, they got to start paying you though. But yes. uh, but that's you know I've never been that far. I can and you can get fired at any step, any step of the way. That's like if somebody's got a script, like Chris is like, you want to do a table read? Absolutely, because yep. guess what? That table read, that network table read, is going to be one of the most stressful things that you've ever done. Yep. Because 
and you're and you're looking ahead. Where's my next line? Oh no, I lost my spot. And what if I? You'll yep. get fired at that table. You get fired after a table reading. If I, you're not I know somebody that ha- that happened to because yeah, you always hear it. It was for a Disney thing, and this person, uh, young woman, um, she kind of she was cursing for one. I mean, that it wasn't in the script. <laughs> and, and kind of not reading what was on the page. Yeah, and she was cast. That's crazy. She was cast already. Oh, and they no. fired her and brought somebody oh. else in. It ended up actually being, I think, better. But I mean, yeah. I, I didn't know the woman, but I was like, yeah, don't don't get too comfortable because even no. after you're hired, you can be fired. And after, especially yeah. after the table read that goes bad because all the network people are there. There's people on the phone. When we did this table read, there were like, you know, L.A. people on the phone because we were in, on the East Coast and, and big people in the room. It's like, you got to be on your P's and Q's. All the time. Yeah, you just know. just ask Eric Stoltz. Oh, man, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, she shot for like, what, a month? Was he shot? Yeah, yeah, five weeks. Five weeks. Five weeks. <sighs> yep. Yeah. Wow. Well, I mean, but, you know. A little bit different, but. <laughs> he's I just rewatched Some Kind of Wonderful the other day, and I love that. I'm I, Oh. I had a, such a crush on 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 the the girl. Um, oh, I can't think of her name right now. Well, there's uh, Mary Stuart Masterson, Mary Leah Stewart Thompson, Masterson. man, no, yeah. Mary Stuart Masterson. Oh my God. Oh, okay, was I thought it was gonna be Leah Thompson. Yeah, no, she she was the she was the 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 glamour girl that he really wanted. While Mary yeah. Stuart Masterson was his best friend that he he this that loved him and he didn't realize it. But oh my God, I love no. love me some. I'm gonna Mary watch Stewart that again because I haven't seen that in a few. You know what? I oh. It still holds up. Yeah, I just showed my son the Blues Brothers last night because he's oh. taking saxophone lessons, and I'm like, oh, man. it's time. And I know he's not ready for some of these, but when I'm looking oh, back, boy. the movies that were made in 1980 when I was his age, yeah. my God, Caddyshack and Stripes and, oh. and, and the Blues Brothers, it all is such Classics. an influence on me. And I'm like, I know there's dirty words in here. He's heard me say them. Yeah. Uh, I just hope he has the same. <laughs> that movie is so good. It's so beautifully shot. I had forgotten that because I grew up on a 19-inch screen. You're right. And now I got the 65-inch 4K. <laughs> and you're looking at these. I, I wanted to punish my kid by making him watch The Sound of Music. Because I was like, every year, every year of the holidays, we all had, to, we were forced to watch it. I had three sisters and my mother, and I'm like, I'm going to punish my kid the way I got. And I'm watching it going, this is a masterpiece. This entire movie is brilliant. And he's, we're singing along. And <laughs> two, two things about that. There's a scene in The Postman where they have a uh, the scene from, uh, you know, the hills are alive with the sound of music. Yeah. It's a, and it's a whole big scene that they do with, uh, you know, with um, oh yeah, with the lead, but um, and there's also uh oh, it was a trivia question that Christopher Plummer. What was the the term that Christopher Plummer used because he really hated the movie, and this the the term he used was the the sound of mucus because he really hated <laughs> that that movie. So it's it's funny because he just he just passed away a couple years ago, right? A couple years ago, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. he, he was brilliant in that Knives Out movie. Yeah, oh, I love I that. I can't wait to see that yeah. sequel. Yeah. I haven't seen it yet, but I, I think it's out? on Netflix. I, I think it's it was only in theaters for a week. But and now it's it, on Netflix. Oh, I would well, I would have went to see it in the theaters. I didn't know that. Yeah. I think it doesn't it's, it doesn't come on Netflix until the end of the month, right? I think. Might might be, but I heard it was just a week and it's yeah, man, uh, Hollywood is changing. I mean, the we're losing the theater experience. I think the pandemic kind of accelerated it. I mean, it probably was already on its way there, but uh, the pandemic kind of just pushed us. Oh, we can watch 
at home. I love the theater experience. My wife is like, I love being able to pause it and go get a right. snack and go to yeah, the bathroom I and everything. I'm like, and but, I, you know, being the filmmaker, I just love being immersed. Oh, yeah. Just being yeah. in a world for two but, hours. But like so. top, top Gun, Top Gun, I mean, what does it do? A billion dollars or more? People That's came true, out for yeah. that. I mean, and you have to see that in a big, you got to see that on IMAX. Yeah. You can't watch that on a computer screen. Get out of here. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, there's one of the few reasons to leave the house is to actually go see a movie in a theater. Yeah. You know what I miss? I want to see those old comedies again. There's nothing better than watching a comedy with a packed theater and everybody laughing at that communal oh. experience. They just got to start making them again. Dude, but that's that can be tricky because I I'm, I got a big mouth, man, and people, especially in theater, they know when I'm in the house because I, I I got a big I got a big laugh, and I was yeah. I was watching um yeah I was watching it was it was my birthday too I was watching the first the first uh, Deadpool, and I was uh, I was I, you know and I'm a com- I'm a comic geek I got forty boxes of comics I mean my wife is pissed at me but I I, I and I love all this stuff and I read I read the Deadpool comic. And there were all these. If you remember the movie, because it's all it's all these little innuendos, and even the, so the screen credits are little jokes. And I was get, I knew all of them, and I was laughing. And after the movie, this guy stood up. He said, "You," he said, "F you, you mf'er," because because he said my laughing it, it it disrupted the movie, it ruined the movie for him. And it's like, dude, it's like a comedic her her hero movie. You, it's not my fault that you didn't get all of the references. You yeah, know, hold but it he, in. I thought he was gonna shoot me. I mean, literally, oh, he was shit. he was cursing me out, and it was my birthday too, man. I was shaking. Ah! But, uh, oh no! Yeah. You know, Deadpool. Good. I would love to show that to my son. I know I can't yet. Oh. I tell you, Ryan Reynolds was yes. very, very kind to me. Very cool. Oh, was, they brought oh, me back cool. three times for two guys to grill in a pizza place. So he was just yeah. a kid, but you could tell, man. He he was a star. Wow. And then the other oh, I'm blanking on the act. The other actor. You'd be like, well, you give him all the best lines, and I'm, and I'm like, <laughs> that may be true, but there's a skill to what you have to do. Sometimes yes. it's harder to be the straight man, but you could definitely see that he was he was the golden boy. And you know what he did? He said the third time they brought me back, he's like, why do they keep wasting all this talent? Mm. Four lines, and, and it was just he didn't have to say that to me. He was really, really wow. nice to me, and he's like, he's like, you don't even. I said, I know, I wish I could do. He's like, you don't even understand those stand-ins. They would kill. They would kill to be able to do what you're doing. And mm. the reason they're not doing it, because they can't. He's like, wow. it takes a lot of skill to be able to just do two, three lines on something right. like this. And he was a young he was a young kid. It's harder than, than having two pages of dialogue. It's to do yeah. those two, three lines are tricky. Because it's like, Bits. oh, there's so many ways to do them. And it's like, you're trying to work all this out. And most of the times, you don't get any direction. It's like, they're like, all right, just come in and do it. You know, and don't mess up. But you're not getting just any Just don't screw it up for everybody else. Right. It's really all your job. <laughs> you're usually there to serve the other regulars, but that's it, man. When you get your shots, get those laughs when you can. That's right, man. Brian. I, I I wanted to ask you, Brian. I didn't know you were a comic book person, and since we're on Dork Daily, uh, oh I yeah, have to ask Marvel or DC. I I gotta say Marvel. Well, yeah. I mean, I was a big Superman fan, but most of my stuff was probably Marvel, like Spider Man and Thor and. And, um, you know, all those things. Uh, Fables, I love that. That's the independent thing. But, yeah, I, I mean. saw that last Thor movie is really funny. Yes. It's really funny. It well and there done. are th- three Oscar winners? Right. In that movie? Yeah. Or more? I mean, it's, 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 but I think Marvel gets the fact that 
you have to have that tongue in cheek humor and 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 have something humor because the DC stuff was so so heavy and dour. It's like, mm. dude, I don't need it's real life is stuff like that. Yeah, I can, right. give me some damn laughs or give me some light <laughs> light moments. You can't everything just can't be that heavy and bogged down. I I loved Black Adam. That I thought that was a real great step in the right direction. Yes, um, I don't know if you saw that. I did. Now, but, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, it's funny. I had read for a. Uh, I had a callback for that uh, Young Rock show, but I mean, I was like praying. I was praying I wouldn't get it. I mean, of course I would have taken it, but I would have had to have been in Australia for four months away from my family, which I'm. I oh wow! Do. I mean, it would have been great money, but I, I, but I, you know, I didn't get it anyway. So, but I, it was for a, a Hawaiian. I mean, a Samoan person. I'm like, cast somebody that's Samoan. I'm not Samoan. Why am I even reading for this? It was kind of like yeah. cultural appropriation. Yeah. So, I would have gotten canceled if I got the role and booked it. They're like, that guy's not Samoan. He's just a light-skinned black guy with freckles. <laughs> Cancel the producer for trying to cast you. you know? Yeah, right, right. You know. But, yeah. Christopher, do we have some fan questions? or? Well, you know what's funny is we hit all the fan questions. In that, all that's that. great. That we means hit, we did our jobs. Oh, we, good. we hit all the fan questions, but I, I do want to give a shout out. So <laughs> I want to thank um, Tom Ineri, Chris Hillman. Uh, oh, Mike yeah, Peters, Tom. Chris. Tom. Uh, uh, Mike, Chris Hillman, Mike Peters, and Tim Dishert for sending out questions, but we covered it. So. Great. Uh, yeah, this is very extensive. Uh, Brian, we, we can't thank you enough for uh, hanging out with us and talking about your just fascinating career. You know, it's been a pleasure to have known you all these years, and, and I, I always am eager to work with you on something. Well, so thank I, you, Chris. And I, I appreciate being here, and it's great meeting Brian. I'm a big fan of yours, sir. And, as um, am I of you, and that you're so good in that movie, uh, in Chris's movie. And if, if, if people haven't seen it, please check it out. You you stood out in that film. Is there a link like to, to it, work... Chris? For yeah, a, it's a up there. Where... Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. It's on. Okay. Uh, you can go to Dork Daily and find it. You can just oh, search great. on YouTube. Um, just search on YouTube. Jesus v Satan. It'll okay. Pop up. Uh, it's a little scary. It might be relevant again in a couple years. Yeah, so. a little too too relevant. <laughs> well, they just unthought a, a zombie virus from thousands of years. What What are you doing? Leave it alone. Oh, there's a zombie virus. Fantastic. Because we know viruses can't escape labs. We just really appreciate your, just the knowledge that you have been able to impart with us and somebody who has done so much work and such a seasoned pro as yourself. So we really appreciate all the knowledge. Seasoned pro equals old, but thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, man, that's all part of it. It's better than the alternative, isn't it? Very true. So we really appreciate you joining us today. And just uh, what do you have coming up? Where can people find you? If you're on social media, anything. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just on with like Facebook or, or Instagram. I mean, right now we have uh, an, another week and a half left of the Royale. That's a play. I'm, I have to have a show tonight at eight, and then um, I got a couple of a uh, couple of films that are indie films that are coming up in uh, January. Depending on you know how fast I recuperate, and then I'm, I'm going to be doing a play in uh, February, end of February. But it's like two indie films that I have coming up. And uh, maybe I just ran into somebody who's going to try to um, get me on the equalizer. So we'll, we'll see. Nice. Uh, I mean, we'll get me an audition anyway. Okay. Yeah. I'd have to do the work, but I would love to work with <laughs> Queen Latifah. So I'm putting that out there. I know people who know her that have worked with her. Dana, 
Uh, but uh, she's she's. I mean, I love her work, and I would love to work with her. I actually read for the pilot, but I didn't obviously didn't get it. But um, I love the show, and I would love to work with her. So I'm putting that out in the universe. Put it out, man. That's how it works. I, I loved that the, the original version of that show. I remember oh, as a kid God. it was so great. Yeah. It was so great. Yeah. Well, look, hey, good luck with the hip. Speedy recovery. Thank you, brother. Continued success and have an amazing show tonight. We really appreciate you joining us. I really love talking to you. I love talking to you. I hope to work with you. So, Chris, write us something. Let's do it. Yeah, right. let's get on it, Chris. I'm I'm on it. I'm on it. <laughs> yeah, and and I'll be able, hopefully I'll be able to do guys. Uh, Chris wanted me to do a couple of table reads, but I wasn't able to. But I'll be I'll be sitting home with, with nothing to do. So let me know. Oh, there we there we go. I'm gonna I'll give you a call, man. Absolutely, All right, brother. Always a pleasure. You guys stay safe and happy holidays. You too. All right. Happy Peace. holidays right, to you, happy brother. Happy holidays. Take care. Right. Have a great night. Bye now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And another successful Dunkle Vision. Um, that was really cool talking to Brian Anthony Wilson. Um, you know, he is he's a big deal around here. I mean, I know that sounds weird to say, but, you know, the, the Philly film industry has its own culture. It's it's a yeah. lot of it's 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 a lot of interesting characters around here. And um, I remember being in college and someone telling me about, oh, there's this guy in Philly, Brian Anthony Wilson. He's on the wire. We're, we're getting him for this independent film. He's, you know, and I'm like, oh, okay. And I, I mean, I kind of, you know, you idolize these guys because I, I didn't yeah. really know any, anyone famous back then. And um, I met him on a, a, a project we did together. I was producing, he was a, an actor in about, 11 years ago and he was such a gentleman just such a nice guy and so approachable and i'm like this guy's awesome and so we kept in touch over the years and um yeah built this friendship and i i always try to find some way to work with him in something so ah man just you know gravitas just as a human being like that guy's a pro you know you're talking to a pro and you know the credits the credits confirm that a hundred over a hundred credits on imdb that's Man, it's just really impressive and it's inspirational for me, you know. I, I just, to, to keep working consistently like that and to not be here, to not have to live here, to not have to be anywhere near Hollywood, man. He's doing it right. He's done it right and he's still able to be a family man. That's just, uh, it's very admirable and uh, very, very cool. I love talking to him. It's just, you almost, you almost absorb through osmosis when you're around somebody and get to talk to somebody about that about their craft so thank you for getting him and yeah as he said write something so that we can act together it would be amazing yeah let's go i'm ready my dance card is empty you know it's funny i well we were just talking to him and then it'll hit me like oh i should put him in this role i have coming up (laughs) you know something like that just kind of clicked just, just hearing him talk you know talk again um but yeah, no, we will we will do something. Get Absolutely. to work is get to work is what I'm saying. Uh, all right. I, I Enough will, of this talking about working. Let's let's work. Hey, keep coming back. Keep joining us. We really appreciate it. We got more great guests lined up and a in a, a big archives of amazing guests. If you haven't checked them out, check out the merch. How's the merch? Yes. We get we got merch. We got it's all happening. We got merch. You can check out dorkdaily.com slash dunklevision to see our merch or see any previous episodes as well. You can watch or listen to them. Um, I also want to point out you can be a member of uh, Dunklevision, a member of Dork Daily by going to patreon.com slash dorkdaily or uh, going to the YouTube channel and becoming a member on the YouTube channel. And uh, you get more cool stuff by being a member. So we hope you will do that and not only support our work here, but also enjoy cool stuff. Membership has its privileges. We'll see you next time on Dunklevision.
It's the creepiest way to end a podcast, but okay. <laughs> Remember that old Visa saying? Or is it American Express? Memberships has its privileges. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Hey.